coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talk to a high-power shooter and author, revisit Top Shot, and set goals for 2022. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, the big man across the table is in the house tonight. Keith, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing fine, Mike. How was, uh, how was your jaunt to uh, Tennessee? So my jaunt to Tennessee was good. I, I got a random call from you about 4 a.m. saying something about breaking into Elvis's house. And I was <laughs> like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> so uh, it was. I went there for a wedding. And it, it was it was great. Um, we got to do some cool stuff. Ate at um, some of like the like looks uh, country singers yep. restaurants and stuff. You know, I'm a big. I like Miranda Lambert. I think she's kind of cool. Yeah. And I big gun gun girl. I think okay. we ate at her Tex Mex. But when we got there on Friday, there was sort of a pre party for the wedding, uh, and they had dueling pianos. It was like a private room. It was really cool. And I got the idea that I could actually drink all of the whiskey. <laughs> in tennessee and uh it didn't didn't go well (laughs) it did not go well um it can't be done so anyway but it was a fun little jaunt and uh and i uh, i enjoyed it what about you what's new oh what's new i test fired uh, the hunting rifle my shoulder hurts like hell (laughs) yeah Yeah. I, i shot it six times i got it i got it to like it's like an inch and a half from the bullseye you know I got three shots right on top of each other at an inch and a half out. So gotcha. in my shoulder, like I said, after the six shots, I was like, I think I'll finish this up another night. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's feeling pretty good. I'm going to, cool. I think I'm going to finish it up, you know, a little farther out than I, than I was at. But, Is the uh, action smoothing out a little bit? Did you? Yeah. It? Yeah. I put a little bit of, uh, I put the, uh, alpha sauce on there mm-hmm. and, uh, seemed to be doing pretty good. Cool. So we'll have to I, thank Matt. I'll bet you our guest tonight can, uh, can give you a couple pointers on that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. I, 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 uh, I mean, like I said, the primary function of this is yeah. is hunting, sure. but I think that it's capable. If I swap out optics, I think it's capable of doing some longer range. Stuff. Sure, I, I would agree with that. So, so uh, we always ask our listeners to kind of help support us in, in this endeavor that we are. I always feel guilty Asian. that we do it because I'm like, I don't do any of it. So I'm like, oh, go do this, but I don't do it. I mean, in all fairness, <laughs> you could join the mailing list, but you would just get stuff that you already know because you're already sending it to I'm me. I'm sending it to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so don't feel bad. You're, right, you're, feel you're, bad. you're just getting priority on this stuff. So I'm going to ask tonight and you actually just kind of, we alluded to it, but uh, join our mailing list, uh, go to the gun experiment.com and, uh, you know, there'll be a little pop-up. There's also a little place at the bottom of the, of the homepage to, to join, but, uh, it'll let you know when new episodes come out. And as we develop the show more and more, I plan on using it for more things. And in fact, uh, very soon I just posted a new blog. I don't blog a lot, but I posted a blog on uh, civilian ownership of body armor and I will be sending that out on the mailing list. Do you have soon. like, a blogging clothes that you know you get in and get like a mindset where you sit in a particular place and blog i, I turn on a salt lamp and i hope that the salt <laughs> permeates my mind <laughs> um and tonight's show sponsor is none other than resurgent arms and i have a, actually some cool stuff on resurgent arms so i was talking to will the other day 
Well, it and took you a little bit. We were worried about. I was worried about Will. I yeah. I normally he responds within a couple of days, and it was like I feel like it was like three weeks, <laughs> and I started to think like did this guy get hit by a car or something. <laughs> so yeah, I was a little worried, but I finally got a hold of him, and uh, I'm super stoked about this. So they just released their new skeletonized carbon fiber handguards. We've been talking about this for a while. Yep, and he now they're even lighter than before, and then. They now have a skeletonized barrel nut, which I didn't know was even possible. Can we and have those in New York? I think we can have those in New York. Okay. Sure. I wasn't sure if we were allowed to have that in New York. Yeah, no. Nah. It's just it's just lightning cuts, right? But a 16-inch, it's actually 15.75 inches. I looked it up. But a 16-inch length uh, handguard weighs in. And I actually, I got to double check this because it almost seems like ridiculous. Six ounces, that's barrel nut and handguard, which seems ludicrous. That seems so light. <laughs> but that's i think that's what i got so anyway check them out um as always get 12 percent off with our discount code gun experiment 12 and while i was talking to him he told me something super cool okay he was on a new york state gun ret subreddit and uh somebody on the on there just said uh and then i'm gonna give them a shout out the person's name i think it's pronounced solona um i apologize if i'm butchering that and i don't know if this is a male or a female but Solona, Selena, um, they wrote to him on this subreddit and said, I've been listening to the Gun Experiment podcast since it launched. You supporting them makes me want to support you. And I was oh, like, that's cool. That's really cool. And and I just want to say, like, that's what this is all about, support, right? Like, we support Will. Will supports us. We want you to support them. That helps support us in turn. And it's all good for the second. Well, amendment. whoever this is, if they're listening and we pronounce your name wrong, please join our mailing list and tell Mike that he can't pronounce names. For real. <laughs> Or join uh, join Instagram and DM me and just yell at me. And so, we'll send you a sticker. Yeah, we'll send you a sticker for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into this thing. So our guest tonight is a high-power competitive shooter and instructor, as well as an author and commentator on national policy and global stability issues. He's written articles for various publications, including Shooting Sports USA, America's First Freedom, Recoil Off-Grid, Red State, and Huffington Post. Please welcome Dennis Santiago to the show. Dennis, how you doing? Not bad, my friends. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. I, Mike, by the way, some of these recent guests have been so good. I feel like I got to like get a posture right and sit up straight. And oh. So Dennis, you're, you're, uh, you're in good company. Yeah, we, we definitely have been enjoying our, our guests lately. And uh, Dennis, I hope that that introduction did you justice. There's a lot more about you, um, but I didn't have enough room on my outline on Google to actually write it all. So you do a lot of things, but I hope that that at least did a little bit of justice. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. It, it goes on and on. You know, you, you, when, you, when people Google me, they go like, why is there so much stuff? I go, well, you know, that's just kind of the way it works. Don't be modest. Good. You're uh you got a, plenty of content out there to be looked at. Yeah, and some really big publications too. I mean, they, some of those, you know, are definitely some some real legit places to be writing for. So, you know, congratulations on uh, oh, yeah. on reaching those those outlets. Oh yeah, and, and and it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, they 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 do let me speak my mind, and um, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I I I I think I've had a, a, a joyous time expressing myself on the internet what was your oldest memory of, of firearms when when was your what were you, when were you first introduced oh golly my first introduction yeah oh my aunt gave me a bb gun for christmas oh, i just gave my kids a bb gun 
And, uh, and so, um, and I, and I was into Boy Scouts. So I read the Boy Scout uh, handbook on mm -hmm. uh, target shooting. Right. You know, and, um, and so I take, I took the thing out into the backyard. We lived in the Philippines at the time. And I, um, I started target practicing with the, uh, with the BB gun into a very young coconut palm. <laughs> I use it as a backstop and, uh, you know, and, uh, and I must've practiced out there. I don't know, endlessly for like summers. It, it, I, I wore out the BB gun. Wow. And it's, it's kind of funny because about 30 years later, no more than that, almost 40 years later, I'm, I'm older than I think. So my, my dad, uh, was, uh, was there on the property and, uh, and they were clearing out old, trees because there were too many of them in the, in the yard at that point and they cut down uh one of the uh coconut palms and my dad sent me an email and said hey so we cut down that coconut palm you were using as a backstop and uh there's a clump of bbs yes, in the middle of it you, do you awesome. want them back yeah of course you want those back <laughs> that's awesome so you definitely uh you definitely enjoyed that bb gun it sounds like it sounds like that was a a, a good memory from your childhood Oh God. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I spent hours there, uh, you know, shooting bulls. You didn't shoot your eye out, did you? <laughs> I did not shoot my eye out. I, um, I made, uh, a a, 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 a mine of little steel balls in the middle of that. I, I hope nobody ate the coconuts. I, from, I don't know what happens when the water goes through there. I guess you were. I guess you were. Steel. I guess you were a pretty good shot even back then if they were all clumped together. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, it's 15 feet away, which is which was the regulation regulation distance. What I what it did teach me was a uh, a kind of a, a discipline that you know carried forward over the years, and and eventually that that translated from bb guns into 22s and from 22s eventually into high power rifles so about that so eventually you know obviously this led you down this journey you just described and you find your way to civilian marksmanship program um first off can you tell our listeners a little bit about that we've talked about it before in the show a little bit but uh of all the different competitive shooting what was it specifically that made you fall in love with high power competition um what got what really got me about high power competition was that the target shooting aspect of it because you, you know when you do it you're 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 focusing primarily on one thing you know you're trying to repetitively get the bullet to go right into the center of the target over and over and over and what i found was it was meditative in in that you could get everything else out of your in your life out of your mind and just focus on one thing for a while and it just kind of gave quiet space for your brain to to think things through and i do i you know as you guys know i do a lot of stuff and which means i got a lot of issues that are floating around inside my head and it can get noisy and every once in a while the the the, the target shooting is is really what lets me kind of put all that stuff in the back of my head and let my subconscious work on it for a while and uh, the attraction to high power was uh, I eventually uh, I was a casual target shooter for a very long time um, uh, with with high power rifles. And then um, I got into it. It wasn't the CMP then. It was the director of civilian marksmanship. And um, so I was uh, uh, was was working at an aerospace company, Rockwell International in El Segundo. And. 
their employee facility had a uh, had a, a range on it. And oh, that's cool. I was shooting. Yeah, I was shooting twenty twos, and the guy that was running the uh, the gun club there said, "Hey, you know, you ought to take up like uh, uh, take up target shooting with like a big gun." And I said, "Like what kind?" And he said, "Well, you know, you ought to get yourself an M1 Garand." And I go, "Like how do you do that?" <laughs> and, and 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 he said, "Well, you know, you 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 order it from the U.S. government through the director's civilian marksmanship." And I said, "And what do you need for that?" He says, "Well, you need to fill out the." He gave me this little white book which was a little recording book, uh, it's a little NRA recording book. He says, you got to get three matches recorded in this little book. And then you fill out the paperwork and you, and you send it all in to um, the, uh, the, the director of civilian marksmanship and they will mail you an M1. And I said, well, that sounds pretty cool. Do they still and, do that and, program? Uh, yeah, that's a CMP program. Uh, well, not the little book anymore. Uh, you, you just have to show, I think, just one match now in terms of participation. At one time, uh, it was a very good deal to get those guns. It's not as not so, such a good deal anymore. Is that true? Or? Not nearly as good as it was back in 1980. Meaning the price? Yeah, I mean the price. Yeah, yeah, price-wise. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gone up significantly. I it mean, used you know, to be I a steal. Like a, like, I mean, it was like almost like gave the gun away. It was mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, you know, and it was delivered by the mailman. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. What a different world. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it was pretty cool. So, you know, I got I got the thing and I went and uh, and at the time they, they, they I said, you know, so I like what kind of gun should I bring to, to shoot the matches with? And they said, well, you can bring anything, but, you know, you should really bring a semi-automatic uh, along with you. And I had two semi-automatics at the time that I was uh, uh, practicing with. I had an, uh, one of the, the original AR-15, cold AR-15 SP-1 sporters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an HK-91. And so I asked the guy, I said, you know, like I got this AR-15. He says, ah, you don't want to shoot a little pop gun. Those things don't work for nothing, <laughs> right? He says, bring the bigger gun, right? You know, so I, I showed up there and I shot my first match with this HK-91, which uh, was kind of interesting because it... Um, the ejection speed of the cartridges coming out of the HK it comes out around 90 degrees right to the side. Uh, <laughs> and, and the case is coming out at the speed of about a 32 ACP bullet. I mean, it's Whoa. pretty fast, yeah, right? It's you know, it's, it, it just hits, it, it just throws the yeah. thing. And so there I am shooting this thing. And there's this guy to my right and it's pelting him every time <laughs> with these cartridges cheater <laughs> he's just, and he's just going like really <laughs> I'm sorry you know this what the guy told me to bring and, um, <laughs> just do what I was told so Oh God. Yeah. So, you know, and I, so I did it and, and, and the whole thing. And I asked, I said, well, yeah, I got this AR-15 and they go, no, no, no. You know, this is the 1980s, right? So this is a world of 30 caliber rifles. And, and, um, so I I did it and I I get the gun, I start shooting M1s and, you know, and and then several years later, I, uh, the AR-15 takes over and I've been shooting those in high power ever since. Yeah. I have to say, like you mentioned about the relaxation part of it. And I was going to mention it too. uh, A 22 in particular, because how quiet it is, but uh, our gun range that we, the club we belong to, you can shoot uh, pretty pretty late, and sometimes yeah, like in the I, summer, I went I went the other night and I shot almost it was like eight o'clock. Yeah, and sometimes like in the summer, like on a nice summer night, I like to go there. There's when there's no Nobody one there, there, and like just you know, just shut the lights on the inside and put the lights on on the outside and just shoot that twenty two. It's a quiet, yep. and it is genuinely a really relaxing experience yeah. for me, you know, well, exactly yeah. shooting. Definitely. I feel the same way. And D- Dennis, I wanted to, to echo what you said, you know, it is, it is something that, you know, you do got to pay attention, right? Gun safety is important and you got to make sure that you're being safe and doing the right thing. So you are able to focus on that. 
there's only been a you know in my lifetime in my life of hobbies there's only a couple things that do that shooting is one and when i was you know working on my pilot's license was the other that that was something that i you know felt like everything else in my mind just went out and i just focused on making sure i didn't crash the plane um but it's a good idea yeah well i i always uh, laugh uh, frank's dad was my flight instructor and he he said one thing to me that has always stuck with me and just to get off topic for a moment and it was um any landing you can walk away from is a good one. Any landing you can still fly the plane is excellent. And I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I never learned to fly. My wife wouldn't let me, but uh, she finally relented. So the other the other one where you have to be hyper-concentrated the entire time you're doing the activity is riding a motorcycle. I saw, your, so, uh, I saw that you're yeah, a bike definitely. guy. Yeah, yeah. Do you do any other forms of competitive shooting? I do. I mean, you know, uh, uh, so I shoot pistols. Uh, I, uh, I dabble with shotguns. Um, and, um, that's my and style. I've, uh, I've, I've shot, uh, in, in pistol shooting, both, uh, the formal bullseye stuff. And, um, I've done uh, a, a little bit of, you know, the USPSA type type shooting because I, I had met a whole bunch of people that were really into that when, when I was doing a, a, a TV show. That's mostly pistol, once. right? Yeah, well, USPSA is is uh, is almost entirely pistol. I think they yeah. have pistol caliber pistol caliber carbine now that they added to it in oh. in more recent years. But yeah, it's it's um, short ranges um, mm-hmm. where shooting, uh, right? high power is uh, is is all about getting the bullets into the same hole or as much as possible the same hole mm. for an ex- for a, a, a long period of time. So it's that kind of a discipline. Okay. USPSA, uh, you know, uh, action shooting is really a game of beat the clock. So you, uh, it's it's a game where you sacrifice some accuracy in order to gain speed, and and ideally you gain twice the speed for every decreasing increment in accuracy. I think is kind of the way the formula should work. This is all the fun stuff. Um, I don't mean to be the Debbie Downer of the group here, but uh, no, I want to get into some serious topics. Yeah, no, I, I want to. I don't want to really go uh, the whole episode on political stuff, but there's a couple things I definitely want to touch on. So, you live in California. Um, we're in New York, so you can relate to a lot of the anti-gun issues that we deal with. Uh, yeah, we both live behind enemy lines. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And so, you have a strong background in national policy, and you know while. Not everything is a national gun issue. Some of it is definitely states' rights issues. Uh, what are some of the strategies uh, that you think we can use to help create change in deep blue states like California and New York? Is there anything that you could recommend to us and our listeners? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, so I've been in the in this uh, on the political side of things. I've been in on the fight for like a very long time, right? I mean, you know, so I had these like I had this HK ninety one and and an AR fifteen. Uh, that I bought in the late seventies and, you know, and then California was the first state to implement uh, an assault weapon law uh, back in Mm -hmm. 1989. Right. You know, and, and so there I am, I got these guns. Right. And I'm, I, uh, so I, I first got involved in the politics of, of this kind of stuff around that time, trying to fight that law. We didn't win. um, And, uh, and it's affected the entire country since then, but uh, I've been active in it uh, ever since from, from the point of view of, uh, the you, you have to get involved and you have to get involved very deeply on uh, as an individual 
Uh, and you have to understand the way the laws work. You have to understand the way the, the process of legislation works. You have to understand all the, of the different players that, that are in the landscape. Uh, you know, shootings of, uh, or, or guns uh, in, in particular are a highly charged political subject because they are they are seen by people in in so many ways the entertainment industry uses them as a as a prop to move things along in, in terms of storytelling and, and to to heighten emotion and that's pretty much the way most people deal with these things other than uh, uh, either if they're recreational and, and, and use them that way or professional and use them that way. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people, cops, uh, uh, relatives of cops, soldiers and stuff like that, you know, where, where, uh, weaponry permeates their lives. Uh, or, you know, they, they, they see them, uh, in, in the context of it, it's use in law enforcement and crime. And, and that creates a lot of mythology. And I think what's really, really important is is understanding what's myth and what's not myth as, as far as guns are concerned. And from the point of view of being able to explain to people that aren't as familiar with how uh, firearms work, you know, what's mythology? I mean, you know, it's like you're looking at somebody doing something. Is that storytelling or is that is that it? Um, uh, responsible use, irresponsible use? Is it uh, is it political use? Uh, is, uh, what's it for? Are there hidden messages inside of things? All that kind of stuff. And you got to learn about it. Dennis, let me stop you for one second here. Because one of the issues that I always have is, so in New York, one of our U.S. senators is Chuck Schumer. So I'm going to use him as an example. And something will happen. And, you know, all the, the pro-gun sort of forces out there at work will say, you know, Reach out to your your representatives, and and in my mind, I go, why would I waste my dime on that phone call? Like, there's no way I'm changing his mind. It's just never going to happen. I, you know, I know there are some politicians that are sort of maybe in the more towards the middle, and they can be swayed depending on the number of calls they get. But you know, Chucky e. Schumer is not changing his mind on gun policy. You know, so what do you do in those? I mean, you and I, you know, you and me and Keith, we're in some really deep blue states where oh yeah the politicians yeah. No, I, are not changing their minds so what do we do no, in that they're not. what you um, know? the fact that you've got a politician that isn't going to change their mind it doesn't mean you shouldn't contact them Correct. you know because basically they, they their offices and and the call recorders and the pro con stuff like that now all that stuff is recorded right they keep records and they and they and they they do need to see that they're not getting away with something that, that, that i think it's vitally important particularly with an anti-gun politician that that they see that the the, the 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 public out there is reacting unfavorably to what they're doing. So it's right? accountability it's like, more it's, than anything else. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, and and well, they, and they, those they, records are public, right? So yes. you know, that the, there are there are, there are other people that will see that those records are there, and then there are people that that write in the media, like people like me, that will say, yeah, of course he was going to vote no or or or, right. or yes or you know whatever he was going to do, but I mean, but at the same time, he did it in the face of the fact that. There were like all these people that were that didn't agree with him, and and so you can spin the story along the lines of you know he's ignoring his constituency, right? right you right. know, and over time you can you can affect other people that that are there. I mean, look at the way that the the, the whole gun control uh, uh, argument has changed. Now it, you know you when this whole thing began, the drumbeat was like they were going to get rid of all these things, right? And this was like forty five years ago. 
And are also, if nothing else, you know, there's more of them around than there were then. Yeah. So like who's, when you look at the practical numbers of it, who's really winning two, here? Two, so two things on this, and then uh, we'll move on to another question. But first, you're right that we that you still need to call these individuals because at the end of the day, they fear most their, their offices being flooded with phone calls or their emails being flooded with emails. And at the end of the day, they all know that their job is to represent the people, not represent their own personal opinions. They just got to be reminded of it. And if enough people remind them of it, 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 it will change. You know, yes. they, they may not they may not vote as one sided as a as they usually do. And I don't want to pick left or right. I'm just picking, you know, right. figuratively. But yeah. um, no, I, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, just to amplify the fact that you respond and there's two things and you need to resp- if you are a constituent of that person. That, yes. that, that represents yes. that you have extraordinary power. They have to take your call, right? right? If you're in their district, they have to take your call and they have to record it. And that stuff is it adds up over a larger number of, of people, say, you know, a state Senate, a state legislature or whatever, or, or, or the U.S. Senate or U.S. Or US Congress adds up. And what that can do is it can change the way amendments to bills are incorporated correct, into correct. something. And in many cases, there are not the biggest bills, but there are smaller ones that those bills could die in process because of the kinds of influence that are there. So, you know, don't ever think that your noise doesn't count. And that happens all the time, not second amendment related. And then the other thing that the other, I wanted to point out is you, you, you touched on this. I think we all kind of touched on this one around this question was how the second amendment has become political. Where has, why is that happened? Why is this a political, it's not a political thing. Shouldn't be a political thing. It shouldn't. Well, it it isn't. It's not, not only is it shouldn't. It's become, it it is now, but it shouldn't be. I'm going to, I'm going to try really hard. Maybe this is one of my 2022 goals, but (laughs) I'm going to try really hard to continue to remind everyone it's not. It it is a constitutional right. It is not a political thing. Right. And we need to stop calling it that. It's apolitical. It, it, it definitely is. It definitely is. A, it, it, there are there are fundamental uh, fundamental rights of citizenship that are of America that are. Yeah. Of, of, of America. I mean, and this is a very unique place. This is one of the very <laughs> few countries in the world where, you know, the, the, no other country has anything like yeah, it. Exactly. I mean, you know, and. And, and, and I, I, I'll just share with everybody. I mean, you know, and when somebody asks me, you know, why is, is something like the second amendment important? Why is the bill of rights important? Why is the declaration of independence important? And, and, and why is, is the concept of the United States important? I say, I, cause know, it's just, perfectly imperfect. I, I, it's look, the, the, the thing is, you know, we're the oldest government on this planet, right? We're not the oldest uh, culture. I don't, is that true? I mean, yes, Alexander it is. The Great, Every, I mean, he since, was, how long did he Since rule? the United States was founded, every other government on this, on, on this planet has fallen and be reconstituted. You're not saying of all time, huh? you're not saying the longest reign of all time. You're saying, I'm saying the long, the, currently. the, the oldest, the, the current oldest yeah, contiguous yeah, yeah. Okay, that, government I, I on this planet right now. It's not the, like I said, we're not the oldest culture. Yeah. Right. But we are the oldest government, right? Yep. When we were born, England had a king that was in charge. Yeah. Every other country had something like that. Some sort They're of monarchy. All gone. We've outlasted all of them. So in 2021, at the end of 2021, this is the oldest government on earth. It, I, I personally believe we're, it's being, you know, this 
foundation that our forefathers has created is is being pushed to the limits. And you know, um, I don't know. We'll see. There's a. a I mean, it's been pushed to the limits before, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, gosh, we've, we've feels... survived our our own internal civil war. We've we've survived upheavals left and right. We've 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 survived the comings and goings of. Of, of, of waves of different ways of organizing the planet and we're still here and 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 part of that is because of the adaptivity that is built into the design of our government and our culture and our constitution i agree and the checks and balances and three equal parts yeah. three equal parts of government a, a lot of people forget that there, there's no one part that's more powerful than another so one of the things that mike and i try to do when, when we get ready for a guest is you know we we do little Google digging and try to find, you know, as much as we can. And like I said earlier in the show, there's a ton of content from you. And before I ask my question, I wanted to, to thank you because a few of the articles that I had read of yours, you provided excellent source references and just thank you for being a good journalist yeah. and, and doing what is right. So thank you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but one of the things that I kind of, I know enough to be dangerous about. I have a friend of mine who's a senior executive at a uh, financial institution. You had written an article about OCC's uh, ruling on large banks to provide fair access to businesses, particularly the article that you wrote was that Second Amendment related businesses, gun shops or whatever, are being lack of a better term. You didn't say this. This is my opinion. Discriminated against in banking services. Um, are you happy with where that final rule came to be? Uh, I am. Uh, they they uh, kind of backed it off a little bit, I felt. I read it. I didn't read the 45-page one the full way through yet, but I read the press briefing, and they did back it off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that whole um, – that, that period of discriminating against uh, uh, what we're – essentially terms sin, sin industries and, and yes. with guns being lumped in with, with one of them. Others were like oil and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, but there was a period where public policy was such that they, they, you know, they, they wanted to hurt them. And one of the ways that they wanted to hurt, hurt them was by restricting their access to capital. And, and the way they did that was they, they instituted measures where, um, the bank regulators would basically start asking banks, you know, why are you, why are you lending to these people and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And that, that turned out to be a very bad idea because, you know, they were, they, they did it under the, you know, we were trying to stop gun trafficking and all money that kind of laundering. Stuff. Yeah, money laundering and all that kind of stuff. Well, and it turned out, you know, of all things, it was the ATF that was the one that was was doing. Yeah, you know, uh, all, all of the all of the gun trafficking in the Mexico that yeah. was all yeah. like yeah. part of a government uh, operation. You know, and they got well, caught red-handed at it. And oh my a, god, it was a, it was a mess. There's a lot of examples of do as I tell you, not as I do by yeah. our government, right? You know. So w w my conversation, I ended up after I read your article, I called my friend and I I talked to him him a little bit. I, I wanted to say them. Sorry. I talked to him a little bit and um, they, there are lists at their, this particular financial institution of businesses that they wish to avoid. And there yes. are things like you were just talking about high probability of money laundering. There's also political affiliates, but then he started to name some things like the adult, adult entertainment business, right. Or the cannabis right. industry. 
And those turned into, I kind of, I put them on the spot. And I was like, well, those are moral decisions, right? And, you know, they agreed. And, but gun related businesses weren't on their list, right? Yes. So they took them off because of the stink that happened around it. And well, I um, asked about that. I asked about that. And, and they, you know, the response that I was given, which I trust this person, the response that I was given was honestly, we never even looked at that. That wasn't ever anything. Now, this is a smaller institution, not hundred billion, like the ruling is, is referencing. Um, and I asked them about, you know, I gave them a hypothetical and I kind of used your article as a basis of the hypothetical. And I said, Hey, I, I and Frank, um, Mike and I do know, a, a a friend that have, have a couple gun stores. So I, I just gave a hypothetical that one of them was maybe interested in leaving because their bank was verbally telling them that they needed to leave, but not putting it in writing. And this right. person that I talked to right away said, "What? That's a big red flag. Why are yeah. they doing? Why are they doing that?" I, and they said, "Anytime we open an account that they no longer wish to do business with, they always put it in writing." So he even thought that that was like a big red flag. Yeah, it was, uh, and and that that was one of the practices. What happened in the aftermath of the formal rulings, where the the, the yeah. regulators basically told banks, "You can't do that anymore," right? You know that that, that that's a no no. And, but what happened after that was, uh, immediately after it, that's when, uh, there was a spate of, uh, school shootings. And what happened was at the boardroom level, uh, there were, there were political decisions made at the boardroom that, that they basically said, well, you know, like the government says we can't discriminate against these businesses anymore, but we want to anyway for social reasons, you know, and, And, and so what they did is they went from uh, on paper, on record denials to this non-documented denials and, and non-documented uh, 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 type activities. And that turned into a problem uh, again. And, and, and that's why somewhere in, in, in finally, and in like, I took them to like 2019, 2020 for these, uh, for, for the, the, the Senate and the and the bank regulators to once again say, you know, like we told Remind you back everyone. in 2015 <laughs> that this was a no, no. And now we're going to start checking to me as if we get any reports that you're doing this off book, we're going to come and investigate. And, you know, so that that and it goes back and forth. Right. Because um, the the strategy that, that that came out afterwards was the big activists, the big money, you know, and 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 your your friend, not mine, or well, he's probably not your friend either. Michael from New York, right, mm-hmm. staked his political career and his run for the presidency on on the fact that he could influence these CEOs to go right. do things. He outspent like, the NRA uh, one year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 so he tried to do it by influencing boardrooms to create corporate policy but as opposed it, to government policy. it's happening. Policy. It's happening, Dennis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, it's not just this gun-related thing. And one of my final thoughts on this question, Mike, I know you have something, and I have two other things, so just get back to me after I'm done here. But I personally think it's exactly what you're describing, Dennis. I think that these boardrooms are forgetting their their responsibility to operate these businesses at, at a high standard and successfully, that's what their job is. They're, they're, they're sidelining that to impulse or input their moral opinions on, on these particular topics. And yeah. That's what I was actually, yeah. that's actually what I was going to say is uh, they're not treating their, 
their business like a business. They're treating it as as their personal as a person belief, right? Like their personal yeah. belief is they don't yeah. like guns, so their business can't like guns, and yeah, that's so, a and, problem, and, you know, right? and. Yeah, and that, that it is a problem in in, in the sense that okay, so let's. It, I mean, if you were a a purely private business, you know, like I reserved the right to refuse to do business with anyone, like a restaurant or something like that, right? You know, that's one thing. But what we're talking about here is a a, a, depo- a, a depository institution or a financial institution that's part of operating the financial system of the U.S. economy. That's more like a utility. You, utilities should not be able to discriminate and 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 neither should financial entities in that context because they're they're essential to the operation of every aspect of the economy and they're interfering with with the efficient operation of the economy and it, and it's and you know and uh, even even beyond the morality of it there's a structure of it it's bad for america yeah. you bring up a good point in the fact of like it's like a utility like imagine saying uh we're turning your heat off because you're a gun owner. Like you, we, yeah. we don't support guns and, and we're not heating your home anymore. Right. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, like it would yeah. never yeah. be acceptable. It's, it, it, it's ludicrous on its face. And, you know, like you, I'm not going to give you a bank account because. You, you say this you know. in your article. You're forcing good, legitimate, profitable, legal businesses out of business. <laughs> yes. You know. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it is. It's it's incredulous. And, yeah. Um, were were uh, the were the examples of institutions only large, or were they across the spectrum? They were uh, they, they they were across the spectrum. I mean, okay. you know, so uh, even even uh, small the, community. The, the worst cases were the bit were the big ones because yeah. uh, you know they uh, convincing one CEO or or one board of directors. Um, for an institution that has the reach that the big ones have. I mean, you know, these, these top 10 banks, for instance, you know, like the single, like there's one of them that has a, a banking business relationship with like one out of every two Americans. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, so if you influence that board, you're, you're hitting half the economy. Right. You know, so like the bigger ones have a greater impact and they essentially, because some of them bought into it, are, are the ones that caused the issue to once again be raised to the point that the Senate Banking Committee was 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 asking tough questions, and you know, and then eventually the regulators got into the act and 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 had to blow the whistle and say, you know, everybody out of the pool, we got to review the fact that we already gave you a final ruling yeah. five years ago. So so two more things, and then I'm I'm done with this topic. And one was an opinion from this individual that I was talking to, and. They wanted to, in the hypothetical story, they they said their opinion of where some of this all started from was the Patriot Act. So oh. when that happened, a lot more regulation burden was put on all financial institutions. And they were explaining to me that that has caused, in their opinion, part of what these moral decisions have come into discussions where they weren't in discussions before. That's interesting, actually. So it's... that was just a perspective that I wanted to share with you in case, I don't know, you had heard anything else. And then the other part was when I had read your article, I had read on there that one of the suggestions that you had had was to provide like a hotline for people to complain to that are that's feeling bullied or having these situations. And I had asked about that, and, and his response to me was both banks and credit unions have a body for that already. It's the FDIC in for banking and NCUA for credit unions. And you literally could 
just contact them, go on their website. They have a complaint form and you could literally contact them about this. And he said what would happen in their case is they would receive a notice like within the day you file it, they would receive a notice and then they are required to respond to that notice directly to the complainant is the preferred method, work it out. And then if it's not resolved, if the complainant doesn't mark it resolved, it gets escalated and the FDIC or the NCUA then goes to the institution and does yes, the investigation. Yes, because at that point, it, it, it creates the initiation of what's Correct. called an enforcement action. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I just wanted to throw that out there in case, you know, you did a follow up to this at some point in time, you know, that would be good recommendations on on where people could could complain to. And I, I enjoyed the article again. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, yeah, it's, it's nice to hear that people actually read it. <laughs> so, Dennis, you know, we talked about your high power stuff. And, you know, in, in addition to writing, like we kind of joking about it since the beginning, like you do a lot of things. But one of the things that I find really interesting is that you've actually worked in somewhat of an instructing capacity. And I want to stress that, to my knowledge, you correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, most of that instructing capacity has been sort of unpaid and you've done that with military, law enforcement, and civilian shooters. So a couple of things here. First, can you tell us uh, a couple of your proudest moments working with these different communities? Um, that's that. Uh, we'll start with that. Where, what are some of your oh, proudest yeah. moments? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll give you I'll, I'll give you two stories that I think are, are, are you know, because I, I essentially, and, and, and it's 100%. Every I've never been paid for instruction because you know the people that taught me I I, I view that as a paying forward thing. So I, I very cool. while I've been I've instructed a lot of people um, I've never accepted money for it. That's just that's just the way I am. Um, I'll give you, you, should, I'll give come you to two New York stories. And give us of, a few tips. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'll give you two stories of of. So I was teaching the CMP's M1 Garand course. Um, I, I did it for about 10 years. I think I, I worked up the number of students. It's about, about the equivalent of teaching a battalion wow. of, of individuals and, wow. in, in, in how to shoot uh, the M1 in, in, in competition, you know, the whole, the whole thing. And, and I was there one day and I was teaching, I was teaching um, a class and um, a, a guy had brought his son and, and, and the son was very hesitant because his father well, they were Russian immigrants, and his father had been a sergeant in the Soviet Army. And, and this little boy was there. And I have, uh, when I teach these classes, you know, I, I, I go over the, uh, the instruction and to keep it from being dry, I tell stories around it. Normally, I tell stories because it's, it's, you know, it's USM1. I tell stories about the US and all that kind of stuff. And I see this kid, and he's really hesitant, right? And, um, and so I changed the, the way the class was taught away from discussing uh, the, um, the, 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 the U.S. Army and, and, and its role in the world. And I, uh, because I knew that his father was a sergeant in the Russian Army, I, I discussed the, the tenets of the class from the point of view of why marksmanship was important and, and, and all of the principles that went along with it from the point of view of every professional army. And, and, and oh my God, and that, that kid who was hesitant about being in that environment because, you know, he was living with, with, you could clearly see he was living with some stigmas of having been a Russian immigrant. By the time I was done with that class, he was beaming proud about his dad. That's oh, great. You know, that's really my nice. dad was a professional soldier in a professional army. 
on one side of the Cold War and contributed to world peace for because uh, you know, we didn't go to nuclear war with each other. And I said it took both sides to go do it. And that kid buoyed up and he grew up to be such a great young man. And I'm very, very proud of the fact that that I could see that change in that kid in that moment. That's really cool. So that was one. The other story that I'll share with you uh, had to do, I was teaching um, a class, as part of a class that was teaching um, uh, explosive ordnance disposal guys, uh, a, a group of Navy guys. They had, uh, was out of 29 Palms, California at the Marine base, and uh, they had brought in a shipment of brand new um M14 Mark 14 EBRs, the the the, the metal chassis um, uh, version of the M14, and they they would they were they were, they would use them uh, as as rifles to detonate mines by oh. by shooting the mine and blowing it up. That wow. sounds like and, fun. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, and and so there's there's all these and you know and 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 so they they bring them all out and I was helping cite them in and all that kind of stuff and then we taught this class on how to estimate wind and 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 stuff and the gunnery sergeant. Um, uh, uh, says, Hey, you, you gotta go talk to this guy because you know, he's, he's out there and there were people shooting at him and he got this guy out at about, uh, uh about a thousand yards. Right. You know? And so I, 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 I go and talk to this, to, to this, to this young man who's very quiet. And, and I said, yeah, you know, so the gunny said, you know, like you got a guy at, 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 at a thousand yards. And he said, yeah, you know, so like we were there and, uh, and 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 this guy's in his lawn chair with a pair of binoculars watching us, and he and 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 we're getting mortared. And so I, you know, I took a pot shot at him, and I missed, and and hit off the the side of it, and he ran away, and the mortaring stopped. And then you know, a little while later, the guy gets back in the chair, and the mortar start again. And he said, so I held over for where for the last splat was, and I and I I launched around at him, and then you know the guy keels over, and that's it, and the mortar stopped. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go, well, that's pretty good. Right. You know, and, and, you know, so I said, you were over there once I said, so you ready to go back again? And he goes, yeah, I think I'm ready. I go like, you know, like, so like what's, what's behind that? And he says, well, you know, it, it took a while to heal up, but I go like, what do you mean by took a while to heal up? He says, well, you know, I was, I was, I was clearing this, this five stack of, of uh, artillery shells uh, that, that, were, that were set up as an IED and the bottom one went off. Whoa. Oh, that's crazy. Because it was booby trap, right? Yeah. And, and he said, and all the other ones on top of it kind of like, you know, broke every bone in my body. And, <laughs> and wow. he goes, it took a while to heal all the bones, but I think I'm ready to go back now. Oh, right? man. And I go like, Oh my God. You know, that's like, well, you know, good luck to you and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think guy goes back and he goes back to, to whatever your training cycle is because we're cycling through people and it was his turn to get on the line and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and I, 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 the gunnery sergeant comes over and he says, so did you get the story? I said, yeah, I got, I, I got, I got, I got the first story and I got the real story. And he says, so what do you think? I, cause that's, that's the bravest guy I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. when you teach, one of the things about teaching is you run into people like that and you hear their stories and you get to, you get to smell and taste a piece of their lives and what they've been through yeah. and, and, and help influence it. I mean, you know, my best thing about, about having, having taught for many years is I can't, it's very hard for me to go to a rifle match anywhere in this country uh, or a, uh, or a, um, 
uh, you know, police training or, or, or whatever thing in, in, in Southern California where somebody goes like, Hey, look, that's, that's Dennis. That's the guy that taught me. And that's I go like, cool. cool. Yeah. Hey Dennis, really, yeah. really quick. I, I just, I'm curious about this. Uh, of the three groups, so citizens or civilians, police, law enforcement, if you have to teach one of them, generally speaking, who's the most difficult to work with? And you don't have to give, don't, don't give specifics or anything, but I, I'm just curious, generally speaking, who's the most difficult or the hardest to, to work with? Um, the most difficult to work with yeah. are cops. Really? And yeah. why, why is yeah. it? Like, real quick, like why, why is that? Uh, because the, the training, uh, the, the, their, the training regimen for, 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 for cops is, uh, you know, they, they basically are running through proficiency training. They're, they're, they're sent to, um, uh, uh, academies and the, the try to teach them to shoot, you know, kind of all the same. So my experience in terms of, of doing one-on-one teaching with, with, uh, police officers is that I usually get the ones that are having trouble qualifying. So I have to basically diagnose un, uh, diagnose what's going wrong with them, rooted back to what academy they went to, <laughs> undo the wrong things that they were taught because yeah. it doesn't work for them, and then teach them a technique that does work for them. So it's you know it, it there's there's a there's there's kind of a learn understand. Uh, talk the guy into a, what 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 they're supposed to be doing, and then bring their confidence up to the point that they can hit again. Because and in the end, the object is you know you, you got to make it so they can win a gunfight. So yeah. it's 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 a bit more difficult to uh, to do that, and you know particularly when 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 what you're getting are the cases where um, you know they're having trouble, right? So they've already got you know in in addition to the skill problem, there's also the stigma problem because you know the you know their their supervisors are going like you know you really gotta you gotta step up you, you know you're you you have to you have to hit the minimums for 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 what what we need to be able to do. So they're, they they feel pressured. Um, the other ones, it's much less much less pressure. Um, uh, teaching civilians is, uh, you know, they're, they're coming there to have fun. Right. So, you know, and, and, and essentially the main job there is make sure that as you're transmitting the information into them and, and building the skills for them, that you make it a fun experience. And, and that's sure. not hard to do if you, if you, if you figure it out and in the military, the, the, uh, the, the, the regimen of, of what they do is so well thought out that you're basically just, you know, adding on the margin. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, uh, as I was creating this episode and researching it and sort of writing it up, I was thinking about my journey in podcasting and I was thinking how it's a really great outlet for me. It allows me to share my thoughts and to contribute positively to a community of people that I share a common interest with. You know, it, it makes me feel really good. Uh, has your time as an author sort of given you a similar outlet? Uh, if you had to pick what's your favorite, maybe your favorite article that you've written. Um, so my most favorite article of all, because I have, and, well, hold on, hold, let, me, let me stop you. I'm sorry. I, I kind of asked you two and one, uh, would you say that it's a very good outlet for you to, to write stuff? Yes, it is. It, it is because, um, uh, every once in a while I need to, I need to collect the thoughts, particularly when it comes to things like shooting or, or, the, or the politics surrounding it. it, it, it's a lot of noise, right? So like what you, you have to like 
collect and, 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 and boil that down into something that's cogent that can be understood and, and, and explained in a, in a, a manner that it, it's operable, whether what you're trying to do is, is teach people to, to realize that they, 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 they have skills or to, to influence public policy or something like that. So, yeah, I, I, I find that being a, that having that outlet uh, to use the skills that I have in my professional life, which is, um, you know, write, writing um, uh, very cogent arguments uh, for, um, for for other types of, of uh, policy or, or, or business strategy things and being able to apply that into an area where I have a lot of passion, which is shooting, is is is, is great. And then on, and on my public policy writing, I mean, I just, you know, like I just love getting into that kind of stuff because it's it's uh, it, you, you can see the good that you're doing when you're able to explain things in a, in a manner that makes things clearer. And, and when you see people make make better decisions because of it, it's always rewarding to yeah. do that. But, this this um, is normally the part of the show where I ask where people can find you, but I would tell people just Google your name. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really Google does work it. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am not a I am not a volleyball player. <laughs> I did see There's that. There's a guy with my name that I, I did see played that professional up. volleyball somewhere. I did yeah. see that come up, but. Yeah, yeah. And as yeah, always, I yeah, have then, in the show notes, I have all of your links to social media and your YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we play a game on this show called Run and Gun. It's a 10-question rapid-fire game, and uh, sure. we're hoping you would do that with us today. Yes, I've heard you do it before. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm in. Oh, we get we, another asterisk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's all right. I like it. I like the prepared. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? My uh, AR-15 service rifle. What gun would you buy if money was no object? A blazer mm. with multiple barrels. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Abraham Lincoln. Oh, no, that's a really good one. Yeah. Favorite caliber? 308. Favorite hobby not gun related? Motorcycle riding. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Cure diseases. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Always. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? My very good friend, Staff Sergeant Herman Gabaldon. Mm-hmm. Let's mix it up. So today on Let's Mix It Up, we are going to discuss your time on uh, Top Shot as their weapons technical advisor. And that sounds like a really awesome title, first of all. <laughs> oh, my God. That was such that was such a fun, lucky thing to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to, the show needed somebody that would basically keep the, the game straight because it, it was a game show. Right. You know, yes. and, and and so. Uh, when you do a game show in Hollywood, there's uh, there there's always a fairness uh, uh, oversight person that comes from some uh, oversight thing somewhere in the industry. Oh, I thought and everyone it, was just pre-picked. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you well, that's that was the problem, and 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 so there they had uh, children's game shows, which apparently where this thing got 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 in trouble huh. and uh and so they they actually created this 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 governing oversight body for anything that's a game show and, and like an so auditor. You, you, 
Yeah, an auditor. And, and you know, so there's this, there's a, there was this woman there I had to confer with like every time. Right. And, um, uh, and so the way, the way this thing happened was they said, we need somebody that, 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 that can keep this thing straight and, and teach us what to do and keep the authenticity good, uh, uh, throughout the thing. And, and, and they, they were having trouble, uh, getting people to do it. Cause they basically said, we're trying to create this reality TV show about, uh, you know, with guns. And I said, so this is like, you know, Jersey shore and, and, you know, <laughs> Snooky with a Glock. Right. And they go like, no, 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 no. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's a real contest. We're going to have teams. We're going to, you know, we're going to pick stuff. Can you, can you organize the tryouts so that we, we, uh, to have a, a proper venue to evaluate, uh, people, you know, we need to weed out the people that look real good, but can't shoot or the people that can shoot real good but don't air well all that kind of thing and uh so then i and and i helped them basically because at the time the reputation of guns in hollywood was garbage right it was the middle of a a big wave of anti-gun uh sentiment this is around 2010 correct yeah yeah and you know it was uh um and and people just wanted to ignore them and 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 i said to myself you know if this show actually becomes popular Overnight, it would change the perception of firearms in Hollywood and in America, right? right. And I said, "Yeah, okay, you know, I'll take a chance. I'll do it." You know, and uh, and but I was cognizant of the fact that uh, this show had to air well and it had to be constructed well in order to present firearms in in something that wasn't an extremely negative light, you know, and and right. and, and wasn't. Um, uh, irresponsible and stuff like that. And, and I made them promise me a couple of things. I said, you'll never do anything unsafe. And, um, and you know, you, you'll treat fire firearms with the, with the respect that they deserve. And they said, yes, we will do that. And, you know, can you, can you help out with the production thing? And I said, you know, it, it, my, my price to them was, uh, if you if you do this, you're going to give me a, a graduate school level education in television production. I want to be in on, you know, meetings. And they said, you can sit on meetings from the executive uh, producer level all the way down to talking to the the the, uh, the production assistants on the line that's uh, cool. and yeah, anywhere that's cool. in between you know so i would sit there in the in the van with the director and the director would ask me questions about you know is i am i am i have i got this right is this good is this a good angle all that kind of stuff and you know like dennis like, you you sort of brought this you sort of talked a little bit uh, about where i wanted to bring this the next and you got this education that was like your sort of your pay for for doing this help us understand a little bit about the most recent topic on a movie set with Alec Baldwin and the rush shooting. Um, oh yeah. G- give me, yeah. give us an opinion. Tr- yeah. What a terrible, terrible situation, but give us an opinion on this. I mean, we're reading so many different things from so many different sides. I mean, now he's saying he didn't pull the trigger, you know, how does this happen? How did, how this happens is, uh, you know, so like, uh, when, when this thing happened, uh, red state asked me to, uh, to, to, uh, opine on it and write about it because it was, it was a big deal. And they said, you know, we really need an expert that has an understanding of both guns and of, uh, the entertainment industry and, and how things work. So you I got a hold of all my armor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, and I said like, like what the hell went wrong? Right. You know? And, uh, uh, and and they were all appalled because you know they're going like there are so many safety procedures in place for uh, uh, for what you're supposed to do with uh, the use of weapons as props in 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 entertainment production. Well, and, for uh, listeners that don't realize in in prop situations, not top top gun top shot aside, because that was a real firearm shooting show. That was real, yeah. That right? was live but, fire. Yeah. But when you're filming a movie, 
props are most of the time real firearms. Right. Yeah, yeah. The props are the pro- props are real firearms. The angles are uh, the 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 things are 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 taken, and when guns go off on on camera, usually what you're looking at there is like you know a half second intercut of a of a of a of a, a second unit taking a picture of the thing going off in a very controlled situation, uh, you know, with a hand model or or, or, or something like that uh, making it work. Um, and it's you know it's not actually as it as as it seems and um you're and and there are very stringent controls to go around it i think what what actually happened on that on that set was that a series of mistakes yep it, it it's it just like, like a it's just crash. like tracking down an industrial accident so yep. you know somehow or other uh, somebody brought live ammunition probably having nothing to do with the making of the film but just to the set for for other purposes you know out in the middle of the desert uh, there were rumors of, of uh, target practice and all that kind of stuff. What you- so somehow or other, the, the the wall between the props and the real world was broken and, and material flowed back and forth across that line that should not have. What I find interesting about this is, so first off, I, I had a lot of emotions when it first came out. You know, Alec Baldwin is... Uh, a funny guy. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, he's, you know, listen, I don't think he's exactly a guy on our side of the fight when it comes to the Second Amendment, you know. Well, um, he earns an awful lot of money using them. I mean, now he says yeah. he's not going to, but that's different. But, story. I mean, listen, I, I don't want I don't want to see anyone get hurt, and I don't want to see anybody go through what this guy's going through. You know, no. I mean, nobody wants, nobody, no, no. no good person wants to shoot someone. And, you know, so first of all, let me just get that out of the way. Like, I, I don't, I don't wish anything any harm to anyone including yeah. alec baldwin doesn't matter who it is no one yeah. should have to go through what he's going through yeah it's a tragedy uh, in in every sense of the word but i have to say that you know this kind of goes back to if guns weren't sort of stigmatized as this horrible thing by by the way a lot of hollywood elites and they actually respect try them. to respect them and understand them and realize that people like us have this respect and understanding then maybe something like this wouldn't happen. You know, like in, instead of spending all that time using guns to make money, but then bad mouthing guns for people like us and saying we shouldn't be able to have them. And I'm not saying Alec Baldwin has or hasn't said this, but maybe it's it's time we start to just treat guns with respect and respect the fact that the people who know about them should should be respected in terms of the fact so that I, we're, we're treating them the right way, right? So I've been struggling yeah. with it because most recently it's, you know, the, I struggle with the d- discussion point of is he responsible or not? And I, I'm, I'm really torn on this. And Dennis, maybe you can help me a little bit. I can, a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel that I can relate that it's at that point in time, he's the actor. He's knows that there's an armorer. There's a, you know, of this person, of that person, it's gone through however many, right? You know, when he's handed a firearm that's supposed to be a prop, I, is it his responsibility? Like, would he even know the difference between, you know, a live round? and? But a, he should still be pointing it in a safe direction, keeping his finger up. All those things still apply. He, uh, it sounds like he was directed to point it where he was pointing it. Was that true, uh, Dennis? Yeah, well, well, yeah, so the, 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 a number of things went among the things that went wrong here were um as as the actor okay um i don't fault him as uh, as as uh, as the actor in this case because if if all of the safeguards were in place the things that should have happened were that the ammunition never would have crossed the barrier 
from uh from the real world into the make-believe world right should never even um, been there the the armor would have been far more cognizant of uh what the material was there the the the, the blank cartridges that go into movie prop guns are they're very special in the way that they're constructed you know provided you're using the right ones and that the bullet looks perfectly the same from the outside but the primer is actually a solid chunk of metal that's stuck in there right oh, okay and there's a bb inside it that you're supposed to shake each one of the rounds to verify that you hear the bb that that it's the 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 BBs in there and it's shaking. If it's not shaking, don't use that one, right? So, and there are procedures in there about all this about all this kind. If all of those procedures were followed in any industrial accident, it's a series of mistakes yep. that creates a pathway for for the ultimate error. And Chain any reaction. one of those steps, if 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 they did not happen, interrupts the entire flow right. and the accident wouldn't have happened. I agree with everything you're saying. There's procedures, but. Do we have to put some of this on the actor in this way? Keith, when Keith came o- came over for the last episode we recorded, he brought two firearms with him, a shotgun and a rifle. He came in, he, he put them both down. Both rifles. He, one was a, looked like a shotgun. Oh, that's right. That's right. They were both rifles. The, the rifle was, a, one yep. of them was a pump action. It was but gonna... he put them down on the table that we're recording at. And I came in and I said, oh, hey, cool. You brought, you brought these over. And I said, uh, I'm assuming those are clear. And he said, they are, but you obviously should check them. Because every yes. time, every time we handle a, a firearm, I mean, we're we very good it. friends. We yeah. know we are both very, very responsible. Nope. And to this day, when you hand me a firearm or I hand you a firearm, we both check. Right. It. So my, my, the yeah. reason I say that is, shouldn't the actor have checked and had some of these protocols mm-hmm. to do, and shouldn't he have done those things? Uh, depending on the actor, yeah. some of them will. Some some of them will some of them Very will check. Politically the, correct I, I, I know a lot of actors and actresses, right? So like some of them are really really good. They're as they're as meticulous as as, as the armor. You know, but equal. that's not so okay, like, though. Know, that's not okay to me. Like, you, you can't. That's not an excuse. Well, that's what's gonna. That's what's gonna end up being the problem. That that might end up being what the problem is for Alec Baldwin. Yeah, it, part part of it is that there's inconsistency along the chain of custody. In terms of the level of well, diligence, there was and a, I think that, there was a lack and, and of that's experience. a problem in the industry in that the, the level of diligence is not followed in the correct pathway of chain. The other, you know, the other thing that that is that is coming out about the the situation on 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 Rust was they were. They were a bit cavalier in terms of you, you, this thing happened during rehearsal. They were shooting live the, rounds on the set. <laughs> well, the, the, more than that, what. There was a you lack don't of make experience. Changes. Normally, you're supposed to have an armorer who is watching over stuff and stops movement on on the set and, and, and is part of the choreography to make sure that the gun is never pointed mm-hmm. in a dangerous direction. You know, because every, you know, the best armorer will look at you and go, you can't do that. Tell me what you want to see and I will tell you how to do it safely. Right. But they had an inexperienced armorer yes, there yep. that does not have the that didn't have the experience or the authority to say stuff like that yeah. so that was a slip right you know yeah. and there were many other slips that occurred there well, the bottom line is they all added up I was just to say, the bullet got through that that's that's what i think you're that's what i think you're getting you're getting clearly across i think that there's the, the where i think there there may be some culpability on on the part of of uh, a guy like baldwin is not in his role as an actor but in his role as the fact that he's a producer yeah, right. You know, so he's responsible for the for the yeah. management of that production company yeah. and and the overall That's procedures of that production company. And essentially, if it was an industrial accident that was due to lax management, 
that's where the culpability comes in. Yeah, I just have a, I have personally have an issue with uh, if I go to the range and I'm with a bunch of uh, law enforcement officers and we're all shooting together and they hand me a gun and they go, no, no, it's safe, it's clear, and then I shoot someone with it. They're not going to go, oh, well, he was a civilian, so it, it doesn't count. We told him it was we safe. We told him it was safe. No, they're going to say it was your. it's everyone's responsibility to be safe. Yeah. So the fact that Will Smith can be responsible and can really learn how to run a gun and learn what's the proper way to handle a gun, and a guy like Keanu Reeves can do that, but someone like Baldwin or anyone else that says, like, nah, it's not my job. I don't even like guns. I'm just yeah. using them for, uh, for a to prop. Get paid. To get paid. Yeah. And there, there, there's an issue with that. That is that is going through, and it's actually a union negotiation um, uh, dispute that, that surrounds that. In terms of should all actors uh, be expected to to play their correct part in the chain of custody and chain of awareness? Interesting. And and and, and, and you know, I I interviewed one of the, my my armor buddies about it. It's like an hour long interview that's on that's on YouTube. And, I linked I linked uh, and, it in the and, show and, notes because it was really cool. So I yeah, and we when we talked about that, and 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 basically the 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 part of the problem here is you need to close off pathways to accidental discharge, right? And um, because and there are ways to do that, and 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 clearly whatever procedures that the industry thought they had in place did not work yet again, and so they they yeah. they clearly need to review all that stuff, and they need to tighten things up yet one more time because you know like. You're, you're it's what a mean time between failure of a decade yeah i mean listen you know, and, the bottom line is the bottom line is is that you know these excuses and 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 you know any kind of accident like this it's just it's simply not acceptable and we just we need to really do better no matter what industry we're working in and that's the bottom line well i think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit so on this episode of shooting the shit we discuss Second Amendment goals for 2022. So this episode is going to release, uh, you know, this is probably around the end of uh, January. And, you know, Keith, we never really got to do a New Year's episode because the, the, we forgot about the it. schedule didn't no, really kidding. fall, right? I mean, well, I did kind of forget about it, but the schedule just actually never fell, you know, in that. that. So, uh, but I do think goal setting is important. Uh, I don't like resolution. I don't like that Yeah, that term. I don't like that name. But uh, I think goal setting is important. So I figured... You know, Dennis, this is good for all of us. I think though we all give a give a little shot at it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go first on this one, I guess. Yeah. All right. Are you just quickly? Are you going to put on there what we said we would do last year and didn't do? I do have one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, I got to hear your guys' stuff first. Yeah. I guess. I guess I'll start. I was gonna. That was my last one, but since you brought well, up, you might as well just start we, without getting out of the way. We never we did failed. Med, do it again. We yeah. never did med classes. <laughs> we never did med. Classes. We got to do a med class. We got to do a med class. So that's that's got to go. We on have there. between us and we both said our we force our wives to go do it. Yeah. We, we need just, twelve people. We need twelve people. Twelve people. Twelve people. We can make this happen. Yeah. Like so, this is not hard. We know twelve people. Let's just do it. Okay. Okay. So that's that's our first that's our first goal. Okay. Um, and then my next goal is uh, I had mentioned that I put out a blog um, on body armor, and you know I love the podcast thing. I'm not really a writer. I don't in, I don't enjoy it. I mean I I, I do. It. You'd rather talk. Yeah, I'd rather talk. It's my medium of choice. But I'd like to blog a little bit more. I think that that's uh, something I'd like to to do. And then uh, in terms of shooting itself, I really want to get a red dot on my pistol. And I really want to try to learn um, Red Dot. You are, you know, I got to keep up with you. So I, I bought a, I, I got a Sig P365 coming. I'm just waiting for the permit. So you and I are going to matching guns, and uh, uh, I'm going to put a Red Dot on mine with you. 
Nice. So I like it. Yeah, we're gonna have to call up uh, Jedi and get uh, some yeah. training. I like it. What are your goals? Well, uh, I only had one, but I got a second one in the beginning of this episode. So I'll, I'll start with the one I've already said, which is I'm really going to focus on maintaining that the Second Amendment isn't a political uh, discussion point when, when, when we're discussing it. It's it's an apolitical thing. It's not a political one. So I'm going to really yeah, focus on that. Yeah, I like that. that. And yeah. the second one is something we've talked about a couple times in the show, and I just really need to buckle down and make time for it, and that is work towards a BB gun league for at our club for our kids, especially our kids. They're getting, they're getting ready. Yeah. And, uh, I need to just establish some curriculum and get it to the board and see if we can get something happening. Yeah. That'd be cool. I think a BB gun league would be great for, you know, five and five. Look what it did for Dennis. Look what it did for Dennis. He's shooting long range now. Yeah. 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 Very true. So five to like, I'm thinking like five to 10, you yeah. know, do maybe a couple age groups yeah. and, uh, you know, do a couple divisions and I like that. You know, be a good good place to start with gun safety. For sure. Yeah, no, it's a really good idea. It's a good goal, too. Dennis, what do you got for us? Uh, well, my goals are a little bit more um, specific. Oh, that's so fine. I, I made my 2021 goal, actually. Good. Which, which, Better was, than us. which was pretty good. You know, my, my mine was to uh, advance to uh, um, master class in a high power rifle. Congratulations. NRA uh, master class. And I made that. And so, so for 2022, my my primary goal is to also advance myself up to master class in mid-range prone, which is, um, you know, on your belly, uh, the, the scores, it's, I think you have to hit like 97% 10. Wow. Consistently. Yeah. Jeez. In order to, in order. It, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it's a pretty high bar and uh, I'm close, but I want to, I, I want to cross over in, in 2022 on, on that level. And, um, you know, a second, when you get those ratings, are they, do you have to like recertify them or you have it for life kind of thing? Uh, you have those for as uh, you have those for, I think as long as you're not inactive for five years, you keep them, they do expire at a certain point, but, um, you just got to keep shooting. Okay. Uh, but it, one match every five years and, and, and you get to keep it. It's not like some shotgun things where you have to, you know, continuously keep right. doing it or, or, uh, action pistol. I think you have to like continuously reprove yourself, but, um, yeah, because it, I mean, they're pretty high bars to begin with. Um, sorry you know, to, like derail you, you there. I just, uh, I just yeah, you basically can miss, you can go outside the 10 ring three times out of every hundred shots, right? At 600 yards. It's, it's pretty tight. It's, it's work. Mm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot of work. It's um, than my so <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of like my, my primary goal in, in shooting for 2022. If I get past that, I think what I want to do, the other thing I want to do is I want to advance, uh, uh, and, and pick up, more points towards my distinguished rifleman badge which i've just not been good about staying on top of <laughs> and I, it, 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 it that that's really a um level of activity and and level of focus thing in order to get to that level plus you got to get the, the the matches where they 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 shoot those um there are no ciders by the way so you you shoot the entire match you're not allowed to sight your gun in or anything it Ooh. starts every shot counts it's 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 tough excellence and competition is a very high bar to, to meet and so that's my high power stuff i'd like to get better at bullseye pistol because i terribly suck at it you know my <laughs> it's it's really bad <laughs> I mean, 
Um, uh, and, and, and that's a technique building skill. Um, my goals are, there are not, are not so high. I'd like to get like, get at least well into sharpshooter, if not expert on in that category. And that's going to take some work, but, uh, yeah. And then, you know, second amendment wise, um, I'd like to, um, uh, help make at least, you know, at least one good contribution to, uh, the, the second amendment argument. Uh, during 2022, uh, exactly how that works out, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's uh, I'm never really sure whether the stuff that I do write, participate in, is profound or not because it's kind of hit or miss in in such a politicized world. But I'd like to make one of them count for something. Well, unfortunately, I think there will be plenty of opportunities to do that. So, yeah, no doubt about it. There's definitely going to be plenty of opportunities for that. So, uh, so Dennis, I really want to thank you for coming on our show. Um, you know, talking to us about all your different endeavors. I mean, you've contributed to the Second Amendment community in so many ways, and you set a really good example on how we can all give back to the community uh, that we care about so much. And as you're making your goals and talking about your goals, you're you're saying contribute to the Second Amendment in, in some way this year. But it's obvious that that's a goal that you've set your for yourself for, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, and <laughs> yes. and you just do that a lot. So. Uh, I, I think you should be commended and, uh, you know, I thank you for everything that you're doing. Uh, to everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media, so be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can keep the conversation going. Dennis, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. It's my honor. <laughs>